0: Welcome to the Friends of Israel Today. I'm Steve Conover and with me is our host and teacher, Chris Katolka. A few years ago, I toured the Holy Land with the Friends of Israel and I have to say, one of the highlights for me is when we visited the Ayalon Institute. Not many people know about this little yet vital part of Israel's history, but for me, it's a must visit if you go to Israel. You'll learn about why this location is so fascinating on our program today.
1: Now, Steve, I'm sure our people are anxious to know exactly what the I alone Institute is. Well, leading up to the creation of the state of Israel, the Jewish people knew that they would have to fight for their independence. And one of the many obstacles the fledgling Jewish state faced was the fact that the British made it illegal for Jewish people to have weapons or bullets. Well, the ILone Institute was a bullet manufacturing facility built underground and right under the noses of the British. Today, journalist Laurel Fairworth will join me to talk about the story surrounding the ILON Institute and the documentary she's making to preserve this important Israeli history for generations to come. But first, the news. The State Department announced that it's withholding more than $100 million from the UNRWA, which is a UN agency for Palestinian refugees, and they cited that the UNRWA needs fundamental re-examination. Well, here's my take. Agencies like the UNRWA should only exist for a short amount of time. But somehow this organization has found a way to stick around for around 70 years and somehow increase the number of Palestinian refugees when it should be working to decrease its numbers. I think it's time to shift the Palestinians from the UNRWA to the UNHCR, a UN agency that cares for all other refugees worldwide. This pressure could force the Palestinians to make lasting peace with the Israelis. Ten years ago, I had the great opportunity to start leading trips to Israel for our young adults. We've talked about this several times on the program, our Origins Young Adult trip. And it's stationed, our volunteer program is stationed right in a city called Rehovot, Israel. And when I first started going to Rehovot, uh, there's really nothing around Rehovot at all. It's a major city for the the Israelis, but biblically, there's nothing around. And so uh, through some friends, we heard about this place called the I Alone Institute. And just to kill some time, we decided to take our young adults to this institute to learn about it. I knew nothing about it. Uh, my, my colleague knew nothing about it. The students knew nothing about it. We showed up with fresh eyes. Uh, and I'll tell you something, it was an amazing experience. And 10 years later, I've been there several times. And now on our Friends of Israel tours, we bring our our, uh, our people with us all the time we we love this location and that's why i wanted to, we're going to spend our day talking about the I Alone institute and and to talk about it i could think of no one better to bring on the program than laurel fairworth who is an emmy award winning broadcast journalist she appeared on on camera in new york los angeles Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., and other markets. And Laurel still produces pieces for national broadcasts like the NBC's Today Show, the Nightly News. And currently, she's working on a documentary. And it's a documentary called The Secret Beneath the Hill. And it's all about the Ialone Institute. And Laurel, it's so great to have you on the program. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Laurel, let's talk about the I Alone Institute. This is probably something that most people aren't familiar with who are listening right now, uh, could you help walk us through what is the I Alone Institute and, and why is it important to Israel's history?
2: Well, you know, I was like you. I went on a trip to Israel and I didn't know anything about it. And we pulled up to it. So it was all a revelation to me. And it turns out that it's a museum. You can you walk through it. It's interactive, but it preserved where... Israelis pre-dating the state went underground under a laundry facility and manufactured bullets for the war that they saw that might be coming. So this is pre-1948. Yes. Yeah, so 19 from 1947 to 1949, for, so for two years, 45 teenagers. Teenagers. Teenagers who didn't know how to make any kind of ammunition or any kind of bullets or anything like that went underground, and what they did is you pushed a button and this big wa- uh, washing machine swung aside and revealed a hidden factory underneath. On, on top was a fake kibbutz. Half the people on the kibbutz actually were working it, That's meaning right. growing you know, food and animals and crops and you know, all the things that would go into a regular kibbutz. The other half they thought were just you know, fellow compatriots actually during their days would go underground and manufacture these bullets, which they then smuggled around the country to the freedom fighters and were used in the War of Independence to ensure that Israel overcame its infancy and was a state. Well, can we talk
1: about why was it so important that they are manufacturing bullets? Why aren't they doing it at a bullet manufacturing place out in the open? Why are they underground in a kibbutz with these with this secret team, if you will? What? Why? Why is that the case? Well,
2: first of all, they didn't have any bullet making facilities, and the British were there at the time, and it was illegal. As a matter of fact, not only would the people making the bullets there, but anybody on the kibbutz would have been hanged. It was illegal to manufacture any kind of armaments. So it had to be done in secret and under the noses of the British. And this was, there were other tiny facilities, again, hidden, but this was the major one. They ended up manufacturing two million bullets. That's amazing. Right. So they had guns that were left over because a lot of the the Israelis, well, you know, when they were still Palestinians or when they were, you know, before the state of Israel had fought for the British. They fought in World War II. That's right. So there were guns around, but there was no, bullets. So what good is a gun without a bullet? So they said, oh my gosh, in order, in case we have to fight, we better make sure that we're armed. And so they recruited this group of kids who many of them were orphaned by the war, not all of them, but many of them, they, they didn't survived the war but their parents saw what was happening sent them to israel they never saw any of their families again oh, wow. so they'd already at a very tender age of 15 16 17 undergone hardships and they recruited them and said listen we're, we we want you to take on this mission we're not even going to tell you what it is you have to say yes all of you as a group and then we'll tell you what it is because it was such a secret
1: the kibbutz, the kibbutz is kibbutz hill yes and and i alone is the project Right, it was Codename the code name right for, for what they're doing? So correct. when they were brought in by the Jewish uh, Haganah, army at that time, right. which was called what again? Well, they didn't
2: have an army, but the Jewish like military or organization, if you would, was called the Haganah. The
1: Haganah, that's right. So
2: which had a couple different arms of it, but basically the Haganah was the fighting arm, and they were brought in by them. They said, "We have a secret. We're, we're um, recruiting you for a clandestine mission. We can't tell you what it is, Maybe. but it's you could get killed." And you have to all vote on it as a group and all have to say yes before we even tell you what it is. And then if so, we'll give you the details. And everybody said we're
1: in. So that's when this this man, bullet manufacturing facility is built underground, under the kibbutz, even under the noses of the kibbutzim that were there working the farms and whatnot. These these special chosen young adults who took on the mission are now going underground daily in order to manufacture bullets. How did they do that under the noses of their friends and, and all of the people around them in the kibbutz? How did they do that?
2: Well, very cleverly, I have to say. They they had to do it under the noses of the British, and it they it took them only 22 days to build this factory. Wow. Now, the, I don't wanna get into the, the way that they got the machines from Europe is a whole nother saga in and of itself, but as far as the actual plan, they, under the noses of the British, they told them that they were, um, going to be making kosher lipstick, which doesn't exist, okay? (laughs) And so, because there were certain things that they needed, like aluminum and copper and things like, you wouldn't need that on a farm. You know, kibbutz is basically a farm. So they told the British all these lies, if you will, creative versions of the truth. Yeah. And they brought in all this stuff, and under the nose of the British, they told them that was refrigeration, hence why they were digging down under the kibbutz. And so, when it was done, I mean, they did it very quickly, and... Every day they would—one group went off to the fields and one group went off. They actually even had a sun lamp, that first one in Israel, who came from America, that they had down underground because when they all got together at lunch, one, of them, one group would be pale. How would you be out in the sun marking the fields if you were—so they each took a turn— under the sun lamp so that they would all look the same in addition they it's good you know when you're when you don't get any sun on your body or on your face you know you get you need that for just even to stay healthy so they had all these subterfuge and stories in order to preserve the secret and
1: they really did preserve the secret in my experience going through this you know you, you actually can go through the bullet manufacturing facility today, which is amazing, that's the best part about it. It isn't just a story. We can, you know, like with, with the Friends of Israel, when we go on our trips, we walk you through the facility and I love, right from the very beginning, you're just in this laundry room and you the, the, the guide moves a large, heavy, loud uh, laundry machine out of the way and you begin to descend down into this manufacturing facility. And it was all purpose just right. That loud laundry machine was there to prevent noises from coming up so that people wouldn't hear the machines working. They were even testing the bullets right. underground, Right, That's they? Right,
2: that's right. That, that's correct. And that's also why they figured that out because it had to cover the sounds you know, in case the British came. So there was a bakery and there was a laundry facility. And actually what's really funny is that the British, it got so popular, the British started bringing their laundry. They were like, no, it's, you know, it's just a <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, people were br- so they had to tell you know keep them out so they would drop it off at the gate. But it started actually becoming a business, and they were doing people in Rehovit, the town that you referenced, which is about you know a couple miles away, you know down at the base. So um, they they had to keep this cover story. Like for instance, there's we we uncovered so many interesting things in working on this documentary. Not only did we find diaries from those days, but also very heartwarming anecdotes, for example, that some of the people that were living on, you know, that were working at the Bullet Factory, one of them, the the family lived in town, and they were foreign, and so they had, you know, they had an accent. And um, that they had to every day the father would come ride his bicycle over to visit his daughter. And they every day they had a ridiculous excuse why he couldn't come in. And he thought she was ashamed of him because of his accent. And only after the war was won could she say, no, dad, I couldn't let you in. And here's why. Uh,
1: because of the story. Yes. Uh, and, you know, And one more thing before we move on to our next segment is I love that that they chose Kibbutz Hill for a reason. It was right under the nose of the British army. I mean, they were stationed right outside, and that was on purpose, wasn't yes. it?
2: Yeah, they said they figured that the best way to do is if you do it right in front of somebody, they, they, they almost don't see it, versus instead of trying to be covert, they were, I mean, it was hidden, but it was right by them.
1: Literally right under their noses. Folks, we're going to come back. We've been speaking with Laurel Fairworth, who's currently endeavoring to finish a amazing documentary, a documentary called The Secret Beneath the Hill. And it's all about the I Alone Institute, so I want you to stick around because when we come back, we're gonna talk about this documentary, what it means to Laurel, and how you can get involved.
0: For over 40 years, the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry has been leading Christians of all ages to the Holy Land. Come with us and you'll visit ancient biblical cities like Jerusalem, you'll stand on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, and as you walk the ancient paths, your faith in God will deepen with every step.
1: Yes, Steve, we visit all the important biblical sites. But what makes the Friends of Israel's tour so unique is the attention we give to modern Israel as well. You'll learn firsthand about Israel's unique modern history and how they have become one of the leading democratic countries of the world in just under 70 years.
0: Our next available trip departs October 12, 2018. To learn more about our Up to Jerusalem trip to Israel, visit us at foiradio.org. That's foiradio.org.
1: Welcome back, everybody. We've been speaking about the I Alone Institute, and Laurel Fairworth, who's currently doing a documentary called The Secret Beneath the Hill, is with us today. And in the last segment, we were talking about the history of the I Alone Institute, how it's a museum now, but the history of how the impact that it had on the creation of the modern state of Israel. And Laurel, we were just saying between the break that there wouldn't be... A, Israel, without the alone Institute. Isn't that right?
2: Yes, we kind of think of these as the Paul Revere's, if you will, of Israel, that the state would have collapsed in two days because the Arabs immediately armed, and so there would be no Israel as we know it today if these... Founding fathers and mothers, or you know, women and men, yes. didn't in, in each in their own way, you know, play a part. Obviously, these people are very important because what they made is a direct correlation. And um, the, you know, I just got very inspired when I found the place when I was went, went there, and I thought if we could find any of those original people, it's like doing a, a documentary on the Civil War. It's yeah. a great story, but none of the people are alive.
1: Walk me through your journey here. Tell me about your first moment that you were there, and tell me about how you went from that first time that you were there to how you said, you know what, I'm going to invest time, energy, resources, money, all of it, blood, sweat, and tears, to making a documentary to preserve this history.
2: Well, as a former television reporter and current producer, and you know, and I said, oh my gosh, this is an amazing story if we can find any of the original people. Yeah. it's. It, I mean, it's a good story, but it's not a documentary if you don't have them in with their own words. And I- I wasn't sure I could find them, but with help from various TV connections and all this other kind of things, we found the last 10 of them. So there was 45 who worked there. By the time we found them a couple years ago, there was only 10, makes sense, right? 60 some years. And I thought, oh my gosh, for the 70th anniversary, which is 2018, 2019, this will be such a timely, important, interesting story and preserving their voices because once they're gone, you know, it's it's just hearsay. It's second generation. Right. So I found the, we found 10 of them and I worked like a dog to, which I'd never done before, raising money to get over there to get them on tape before it was too late. And we did about a year and a half, two years ago. We got those 10, we interviewed them. And since then, four of them have passed. That's
1: amazing. I mean, talk about just in the nick of time, and tell us why do you think it's so important to preserve this story now?
2: Well, I, I thought it would be a timely story. I thought it would be important after the war was won, they closed the place down and didn't tell anyone for decades yeah. because they told them to keep it a secret. Well, you know, I'd be blabbing. Look at what I did right <laughs> afterward. But they actually kept the secret. And it wasn't until people went to the land because they were thinking of developing it. And they accidentally, almost like in a movie, pushed the button and the washing machine swung aside and they said, Oh my gosh! What's this? So, it it was kept a secret for a long time, and then it became just a grassroots things. One group went and they told other people how great it was, and the next person, and and so now it's gaining momentum. And the reason I took it on, as I said, it is so important this story to motivate other people that a few people can make a difference in this world. That's right, and change the course of history. Which truly, I mean, we sometimes we exaggerate a little, but this was exactly what this is that these young people you know, really did a monumental thing by 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 making a stand.
1: Now, let, let's talk about how. Number one, what are your needs? Number two, how can people get involved with the Secret Beneath the Hill documentary?
2: Well, you can go to either your website, which there's going to be a link, or to our website, which is www. a y a l o n documentary all one word. com, and you can. Where we are now is we've I've raised about three hundred thousand. I still need the last hundred thousand, so I'm on the ten yard line. That's good. And I'm trying to score and um, we are moving ahead we have the rough cut We've gone, traveled to Israel two times. We've got all the videos shot. We've got everything done, and it's all the finishing things. You this know, isn't
1: dream phase. We're talking. No, we are in the
2: final stretch. We're in the final, stretch, in the final stretch, and we're just. I'm just trying to get it done. I'm not a professional fundraiser. I found something that got me passionate, a story that I felt needed to be told, shared with the world, with what's going on, and to maybe hopefully motivate and get other people interested. And when they find something that they need to, you, you know, you, you can make a difference. And so so but where we are now is we're we're trying to raise the last 100 you can donate on the website or you can send a check and there is an address on the website where you can send it and you get a full tax deduction and your name will be on the film.
1: That's great. This is ialonedocumentary.com www.ialonedocumentary.com or you can just go to foiradio.org and right there you'll see a link that will connect you to Laurel's uh, a webpage there. I want to encourage you to donate. I want to encourage you to participate. This is such an important story in Israel's history. If you're a Christian and you love Israel, you love the history, history of Israel. You think Israel plays an important role in history and also in what God is doing around the world. This is something that you'll want to get behind. Laurel, thank you so much for your time and what you're doing. It's really important to share the story of the I Institute. Thank you so much. Thank you. Now,
0: Apples of Gold, a dramatic reading from the life and ministry of Holocaust survivor Svi
3: Kalisher. As believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we must be ready in season and out of season. To tell people of our hope, we must always be prepared to witness for Him because we never know whom the Lord may send across our paths. Recently, one of our neighbors came to ask us many questions about our faith. She said, I want to know how you came to believe in Him. I was delighted to give her my testimony. She continued to visit, and each time she asked if I knew others who believed in the Lord and how they had come to believe in Him. One day I asked, Are you here to draw close to the Lord or to investigate me? She answered very sincerely, I am truly interested in knowing how you came to your faith in the Lord. I gave her a Bible and said, Take this home and read it. She accepted the Bible and left. About five hours later, her husband knocked on my door. Please do not give my wife any more of this poison, he said as he handed me the Bible. I told him, I only want to help her find the truth. If this is poison, then what is the truth? He was very unhappy and said, I work against Christian missionaries in Israel and against all Jews like you who believe in Jesus, the apostates. Then you have come to the right place. Oh no, he said. I would never fight against you because we are neighbors. I told him, if you think what I am doing is against the law, feel free to bring other members of your organization. The prophet Isaiah wrote, The Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear. The Lord may enable your friends to believe what you refuse to believe. He became very serious and said, You could be killed if I did what you are suggesting. I replied, But I will not be alone. I reminded him that God told Abraham, Jacob, Moses, and all of his servants not to fear, because he would be with them and would protect them. And so it will be with me, I assured him. He said, You may not be afraid, but I am. If I tell them that because you are my neighbor, I do not fight against you, I will probably lose my job. I have lost my job many times because of my faith in the Lord, I told him. And I have been in more dangerous situations than I can remember. However, I have never lost my hope in the Lord because he has told us in his word. Do not be afraid of them. Deuteronomy 20, verse 1. The man then left my home. The next day his wife visited again. She seemed more self-confident than she had before. I asked, Are you not afraid to come here? She replied, I have no fear. My husband knows where I am. And he told me he will not inform his superiors about you. Now please, tell me more about the Lord. I praise God for this woman, for her courage and her desire to know about the Lord. I am praying she will come to know him as her Messiah and Savior. And I am also praying that her husband may one day yield his life to him.
1: The impact of Zvi's life and ministry in Israel continues to inspire. Zvi's ministry in Israel lives on through his family today and has encouraged many of our Friends of Israel workers around the world to continue ministering to the Jewish community. When you give to the Friends of Israel, your donation allows us to advance the gospel of our Messiah Jesus. You can visit foiradio.org and click on our donate link. Also, let us know where you're listening when you contact us.
0: Chris, you and I have both enjoyed our visits to the Ilon Institute in Israel, and it sure was great to have Laurel Fairworth with us today and to hear her passion for getting this story out.
1: Yeah, Laurel really has a desire to make sure that this story is preserved in a documentary, and I really hope that our listeners gravitate to her message and partner with her and help her advance this very important story of Israel's history.
0: And a reminder, as we close, if you're interested in traveling with us to Israel this October, visit us at foiradio.org. That's foiradio.org. Our host and teacher is Chris Katulka. Today's program was produced by Tom Gallion, co-written by Sarah Fern, Mike Kellogg, Red Apples of Gold. Our theme music was composed and performed by Jeremy Strong, and I'm Steve Conover, executive producer. The Friends of Israel Today is a production of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. We are a worldwide Christian ministry communicating biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah while fostering solidarity with the Jewish people.